big or small, we gon' think it all Whatever got you down, we gon' make him fall Many told you where to go, but you'd rather hear our call We've been waiting So welcome to episode 3 of Hotspot MTL season 2 We have two lovely nurses once again here today We have Diana and Daniel, so yay! Hello, hello <laughs> So, uh, yeah, introduce yourselves. Uh, what, uh, why are you guys here at the YLC? What's up with you guys? Okay, so yeah, my name is Daniel. Um, I'm here with Diana. We're at the YLC because we're enrolled in this course called uh, like a community health project. Um, the whole point of the course is to um, go to like different community organizations and kind of see what we could do to help them out and promote like a primary prevention health project. Um, and that's kind of what we're here to do. So, um, yeah, want to add anything with that? Not really. We're both third-year nursing students, and we're really excited to be here and mm -hmm. work with you guys. I could really see that you guys are super duper motivated to help us out, and you guys are really, really open. Um, and you guys <laughs> take everything so well with all the bumps in the road. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate your guys' patience. Um, so let's start off with the questions. And sorry to sound like I'm an interviewer for a job interview, but why are you guys in nursing in the first place? You want me to go? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Um, I think I've always been like super interested in just wanting to help people from when I was small. Um, I think it's just like so something that was in my nature. Like I would ask my mom for like a bunch of like dolls and like stuffed animals and like I would take them and put bandage on them and like try to fix them. Like it was just something I like to do is always help people. Um, and then in life when like a few things like happened and like, you know, when I was in the medical system, I met some amazing nurses and they were so motivating to me. And that's why I decided to go into nursing. It was not the career path I thought I was going to choose. Um, but when I got those life circumstances and I realized the effect that they had on people and the impact that they made on me to make me better, um, I said, you know what, let's give nursing a try. And in turn, I really loved it. So. That's so beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, you're definitely right. The experiences that just happen all of a sudden and out of the blue are sometimes the best ones and that we could learn the most out of. So we're happy to see you here and we're really <laughs> excited to see what uh, you guys, how you could even help the YLC and our youth here. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. For myself, um, I've always wanted to work in a hospital. I've always kind of wanted to be in healthcare. You know, when you're like really young, you're like, oh, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. I want to do this and do that. The one thing that was always constant for me is I always wanted to work with people. Um, and I was always kind of drawn to like the human body and I thought it was really cool. So for me, it was like I could become like go into medical school, I could become a nurse, go be a physio, whatever. Um, and just something about nursing and the flexibility and all the options really, really drew me in. Um, because, you know, if you get bored of one area that you're in, you could always move to another. Um, and obviously it's a really great profession. There's a huge demand for it. And I found that, um, it's really worked out well so far. I was like 17 when I had to make the decision to like, you know, what, and like as to what I wanted to study. Um, and it's kind of a lot to know at that age, but so far so good. And I've been uh, really happy with my decision. And I'm so happy for you. That really sounds like as if you had like this instinct as a, as a child to know, like, 
exactly you wanted to help people and that's so empathetic of you and that's so great so again thank you for being here and wanting to help us but even though you guys thought of these things as a kid have you ever thought of other careers that you would possibly want to go into instead um well yeah for me for sure i i think but like daniel like i was always interested in the health field so for me it was always a doctor um but i also love 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 animals so I did like a lot of volunteer at shelters and stuff. So I thought maybe like veterinar veterinarian, but um, then nursing happened and mm. I'm really happy with my choice. <laughs> That's so cute. Okay, but all medical. So it kind of like goes hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, I actually never wanted to be a doctor because I had some like family members and family friends who were and I saw that life and I never wanted it. Um, but I still wanted to be in the medical field, which is kind of funny. Um, and I don't know, I just found nursing was really, really, uh, interesting option. I've always considered other things, like I said, like becoming like a physio. Um, and for those that don't know, you have to get a master's degree to do that. So I figured like I could go into nursing, see how I like it. And if I don't, then I can maybe become a physio. But, um, as I mentioned earlier, so far I've really liked it. So I'm happy with my decision. Um, as a, when I was younger, I used to really like space and stuff. And I was like, oh, like, I want to be like an astronaut. I want to do this kind of stuff. But then I took physics in uh, university and I was like, yeah, no. (laughs) That that, (laughs) died down real quick. Yeah, exactly. The reality (laughs) set in and uh, yeah, no, thank you. (laughs) Well, at least you're happy now in your program. At least I hope you're happy in your program because I want to ask, how do you like your program? And I'm asking this with uh, their teacher right (laughs) sitting right next to Daniel. Oh, boy. (laughs) Moments of truth. (laughs) Be honest. (laughs) um can i go first of course well for me i'm out of province so uh for those that don't know i have to do something called u0 which is just a general sciences year so for those in sejap i imagine you you do it then um but for me in my first year i had to take like physics calculus chemistry biology and all that kind of stuff and it's kind of tough when you you know when you're taking those courses you're like how does this relate to you know (laughs) what i want to do in the future when you're you know solving an integral or doing a derivative or something like that it's just you know it's tough but you finally get through it and you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you figure it out um, and you see how all those like kind of sciences interplay with um, the courses you actually end up taking that are like human anatomy and physiology and stuff like that so anyway it's a long way of saying that now that i've finished those courses i kind of see their worth but it was tough uh, but no the program's been really good um you know it's really different depending on who you ask because we have clinical placements um, that vary so like everyone's going to take the same lecture courses but our clinical placements which are like in hospitals or um, other areas those vary so you know some are better than others and that's the reality and sometimes you have a good teacher and sometimes you don't but uh, I think overall for myself I've had a really good experience and uh, yes yeah I think um, same here I really loved my like experience at McGill I made like some really great friends I was really lucky um everyone in the nursing program is like super sweet honestly the, from the professors all the way to like um the students and like it's really nice because we're we're not like a big cohort of students so you kind of really get to know everyone and even though like we really had only like one semester in person because then COVID hit um well for me because I was I'm from Montreal so I did c first um so I didn't have year zero like Daniel um, so I came in year one and like, it's just amazing to meet everyone and you really bond and connect cause you're all going through the same like lived experiences. 
And like Daniel, C-Chef is always tough because you're taking a bunch of classes, like even humanities and stuff. And you're like, I don't know how this like fits into what I want to be, but you got to do it. And then um, once you get into nursing, I feel like McGill is really good at like choosing classes that are really important and are going to make you a good nurse from the start. And the clinical placements by far my favorite <laughs> by far you really get to feel what it's like to be a nurse from day one and year one in mcgill mm -hmm. so i feel really lucky for that um and then like there's not really a you feel really ready to go and be a nurse i feel like when we graduate we still have like another semester and the ending of this one and last semester so this summer i was an extern um at the Jewish General Hospital. And I was I was like counting my lucky stars because <laughs> I was like, wow, I really feel like I'm prepared for this. So it's really, really great. Honestly, McGill is a great program for me. And my sister's doing her nursing at Vanier and I already oh. told her she wants to do her bachelor's too. And I'm like, go to McGill. <laughs> well, we're like promoting McGill. Eh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I told her, I'm like, it's just an amazing experience, honestly, from every aspect. Yeah, you guys aren't sponsored by McGill to be No. Like, <laughs> okay, just making it clear. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's really special in the way that you talk about it. You feel so motivated and you really bring this positive uh, outlook on your education and it's really beautiful to see it. Um, and I know, well, I'm in CJEP, so I'm going to talk about my experience with these classes. A lot of them, you're just sitting there and you're just like, okay, like, come on, just put me in my core class. Like, I don't need this. But, you know, like, you're still learning and, you know, maybe you'll you'll learn about something new and maybe you could take that with you in the future. Mm -hmm. And speaking of learning, do you guys have any funny stories from work or, like, something that you had to learn the hard way? This is a tough one because I find, like, every day that you're in, like, a clinical um, setting something happens mm -hmm. so you kind of just grow numb to it you know whether it's something crazy or something uh, unexpected it's there's always something new so to be honest for myself i can't think of something off the top of my head but i think it's one of those things where like you know there's never a dull moment mm -hmm. um you'll find something and there's uh there's a good camaraderie between you and your coworkers or your classmates or whatever like you know it's it's a tough job there's a lot of stressors, but you're in it together. And when you work as a team, like together, it's uh, it's really helpful and helps everyone. So um, that was a you know a long non-answer, but yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Do you have any honestly like? Oof, my, I don't think I have a favorite moment. Honestly, I think like Daniel said, every time you go into the hospital or clinical setting, you expect the unexpected like i have crazy stories um but i just like every time you go in you're working as a team you're dealing with a lot of different scenarios a lot of different people everyone has their own story and you're adapting a lot to these scenarios so it's like like daniel said you have to build that good like interdisciplinary team um and you're connected because that's what gets you through it because if you're alone in it <laughs> not so fun yeah. especially like during clinicals and you know just sometimes like to see like to expect the unexpected I remember my first um week that I was doing clinical at in the car on the cardiology floor and all of a sudden my 
nurse, like our preceptor, so like our clinical instructor who's with us and guides us through um, our clinical stage and like helps us. We, she just starts running along with all of the other doctors into like the room, well, all the other nurses. And she just starts running into the rooms because they got lab values back um, from a patient. And basically it was indicating that she was having a huge heart attack. And we walk into the room and the patient is just sitting there eating a banana, has no idea what's going on. And <laughs> so, but yeah, she had a huge heart attack after, but she was fine. It was just, you see a lot of crazy things. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> things can change very quickly. Really quickly. Um, and on the top of, of, like, teamwork, like, yeah, it's good to have good teamwork amongst, like, your coworkers, like the nurses. But, you know, there's doctors, there's physio, there's OT, there's everyone, social work. Um, and... Yeah. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. yeah. It's really important to have that kind of connection and relationship all throughout because everyone relies on each other. Um and every, you know, setting is different. So, like, if you work in cardiology, it's going to be different than another unit. But that principle applies everywhere. Yeah. And it's really nice when you see that teamwork come together. Like, you see, you can see the difference sometimes on floors. Like, there's not a good team, like, connectivity. But then there's the floors where there's, like, amazing connectivity. Mm -hmm. And you just, like, see the difference in the patient care. And it's amazing. Yeah. Like, good communication is an important skill in any field but especially so in healthcare because, you know, you're dealing with people's lives yeah. and uh, you don't want to fumble anything because of, you know, egos or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it sounds really serious. Definitely. Uh, I'd be, uh, it sounds like a very intense situation Then I commend you guys for wanting to go into that because <laughs> uh, it's a really big deal. But at the same time, it must be very rewarding knowing that you're helping people and you're practically saving lives. So Commending you for that. Uh, yeah, so speaking... Well, actually, first off, let's clear the air. Uh, which unit are you guys in? Like, which field? Well, right now, we're not... Like, in terms of school, we're not mm -hmm. in any particular unit. Mm -hmm. um, we're just doing this community health project. But um, we've worked in various units in the past, so we could kind of go over those or, like, what we did for our jobs because most sure. of us have worked. Go um, over the history. Let's know everything about you. Okay. Well, for me, I'll, I'll talk about my clinical rotations and then my job. So um, I started off, like actually all of us start off in long-term care because when you first start off in the program, you don't really have um, necessarily all like the human body knowledge, right? Like you know certain things just based off what you bring to the program, but you haven't taken like anatomy, you haven't taken physiology, you haven't taken pharmacology and all those courses that you need to actually be competent. So we, uh, we start off in long-term care and it's just mostly focused on talking to people um, and developing that communication um, and something that we call like the therapeutic relationship. Because we were definitely talking about that in the previous yes. episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it must be very important. It's like the first thing that's like engraved into our heads, I yeah. think. Well, it's something that just imagine like you're sick and you're scared and you're in a hospital, right? Like you want to feel comfortable talking with whoever the healthcare provider is. Um, and you don't want them to just be like monotone and a brick wall. Mm -hmm. I feel like that goes, you know, it's something you don't really think about. But when you have someone who's personable and actually is listening to you, it's definitely more, um, definitely, you know, aids the care. Right. Um, it gives you a sense of comfort and having trust within a person within an untrustful situation. Yeah, it's scary. Help. Yeah. So anyway, that was our first um, rotation. And then after that, for me, it was maternity. Mm. <laughs> which is very interesting as a guy. Um, but uh, yeah, we had that and then COVID happened, so it got cut short. Um, 
And then in the fall, I was in a neurosurgery unit, which was really interesting. You see a lot of uh, very unique complications and presentations that come up. And then after that, I was on ortho orthopedic trauma. So it's kind of like a lot of sports injuries. So imagine like you went skiing, you broke your leg kind of thing. That's where you would go. Um, also a lot of like people slipping on ice. So, <laughs> you know, very varied. Um, and winter's car. coming up, so we'll go to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I had a psychiatry rotation which was interesting, and then a child psychiatry rotation, which uh, was a, it's like a school um, that has various like healthcare providers there that help out these kids who have various um, various needs to be supported. So that was my like clinical experience. Um, do you want to go over yours before I go over my work? Or? Sure. So like Daniel, we started off in long-term care, <laughs> same thing. Then we did postpartum and maternity so birthing center which was really fun that was like the first time I stepped into like a surgery which was basically a c-section and I almost fainted when I saw the epidural needle honestly (laughs) I was like I just need a minute but um (laughs) yeah unfortunately that one was cut short but I really loved that one I loved working with babies um and then in the summer we didn't have anything and then I was on short-term surgery floor so a lot of like day surgeries um like pancreas like pancreatitis so if someone gets their pancreas out we were there you know um and then i did cardiology um i then did dialysis and my last one was palliative care slash oncology slash hematology so because of covid it was all mixed into one so that was a really intense floor and it was really difficult because you had patients going through a lot of psychological um well they were just going through a hard time because cancer is not something that's easy and so for me that was probably one of the most mentally difficult um clinical placements that I did because every day you have to be strong for those patients and be there and present with them when they're getting like difficult news or going through something that's not easy especially when like you had patients that were getting new diagnosis and then you had patients who were in palliative care which is like end of life and just making them comfortable so we saw really the whole like range of the spectrum so it was tough but honestly probably one of my favorites clinicals and I learned the most I think from that one so I'm grateful for every clinical experience but yeah you could go ahead and tell them where you worked Daniel (laughs) sure sure so uh, I'm from Vancouver so over the summer I went back home and I worked in an emergency department Um, in Quebec we call it nurse extern the job so it's pretty much you just get to work um, while you're in school you have like a limited scope um, compared to like a like a fully licensed nurse, but you get to do pretty much most things, but you're still under the wing of someone if you need it, which is nice. Um, And yeah, that was a crazy experience for me. Um, I've always wanted to work in the emergency department and yeah, it was hectic, it was a lot. And for the first month that I was there, I felt like I was in over my head. Um, It's just, you need to know like everything. (laughs) Cause like if you're working on like, let's say, like no offense, but like let's say you're working on a cardiology floor, Mm -hmm. floor, right? Pretty much everyone there is gonna have some sort of heart condition. They may have other things, but the one thing they're going to have is the heart. So you can nail that and you'll be good. But in the emergency, um, you know, everyone comes in. 
some have heart issues, some have kidney issues, some have brain issues. And the best part is you don't know what's wrong with them when they come in. That's kind of part of the mystery. Um, yeah, and a lot of times when you're on like a normal unit, you have a patient's chart, which is pretty much all their files. So you get to read like, okay, this is their history, this is what we know. But in the emergency department, you usually don't have that because one, um, the patient could be in a coma, you don't know their name, you don't know their history, or two, um, they come in and whatever they have hasn't been diagnosed yet. We're still trying to figure it out. So it's really difficult because you're kind of treating something that you, you're like, it could be A, B, and C, but we're not certain on anything. And you got to monitor for all of like the adverse effects of A, B, and C, which is, it's tough. It was really tough, but I really liked it because I like the action. I don't like sitting around in one place. And it was really, really uh, like after that first month where uh, it was really tough for me, I started to feel more comfortable and I was supported by all the, all the staff there. And yeah, it was great. And I think that particular uh, emergency department was really, really amazing because the teamwork there was like on another level because there are so many patients um, and not enough workers always, but somehow we figure it out. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really, really great. So if you like solving mysteries, go to ER. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked as an extern too this summer and I was in internal medicine, um, which is also really, um, you get every, everything pretty much in internal medicine you you get um you can have simple things and then you have these really complicated things that you're trying to solve and we get a lot of patients that come up um from the er directly <laughs> so unlike daniel we were lucky we kind of had a bit of an idea what's going on but now it's like okay how do we treat them and a lot of patients are there for a really long time unfortunately um in internal medicine so the pro of that is you get to build really good relationships with them, but then it's sad because they're there for a long time. And you see the strain that it has on these patients being in this clinical setting. So um, like Daniel said, like the communication, the teamwork is so important because you wanna be with these patients. You have to, you're their like source of life during the day, you know, and you're what makes the difference walking into their rooms because a lot of them are too sick to even get out of bed. So you really want to make that positive impact. And and so you, you're dealing with a big, I don't know about you, but like for me this summer it was like sometimes you would have five, six patients at a time and you're like one nurse. So it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me in the emergency, it's like a bit different. It depends which section you're in. Mm -hmm. Some areas like you have an assigned... Um, patient load so in one area which was called acute which is where kind of what you'd picture an emergency department to be like every nurse had four patients um, but then in another area um, which was for more I want to say like minor things and by minor I mean like a broken arm or like <laughs> a broken leg um, you wouldn't have a specific assignment so you could actually have like 50 patients all at once amongst like the three of you um, but it's not like they need constant care, right? It's just kind of, we're waiting for tests to come back. We're waiting for lab results. But then the issue is when the lab result comes back and it's something really bad, you got to spring into action and figure it out. Um, and a lot of times that's like what she was talking about earlier was like a, a heart attack, mm -hmm. um, that she noticed on the lab results. That's something that we test for all the time in the emergency department. Um, when someone comes in with chest pain, 
um, and there's a certain value that we're looking for. And once it's above that, then it's indicative of uh, like a heart attack. So that happens quite a bit in the emergency department. And once you know we see that's happening, we gotta give certain medications or take them to a different area um, so they could get treatment as soon as possible. Yeah, because sometimes they'll be sitting there eating a banana and have no idea they're having a heart attack. Like they'll feel a little bit of chest pain, especially in girls, which we learned is like and my patient was actually a girl that was eating her banana while she was having an actively huge heart attack and like the symptoms are just really different so you're always putting together like pieces of a puzzle trying to put together all your like data and symptoms and noticing things so you you're always on the ball you gotta (laughs) go go to work and be on your a game all the time Mm -hmm. so I guess that's also why like you have a big patient load right and if you don't have good teamwork and stuff where you can help others if ever you you need it because you're gonna need it (laughs) um it's really important to build like that network of in nursing yeah and it's really important to like know your stuff too yeah um that's something that like it's okay if you don't know like obviously you're not going to know everything but you shouldn't assume anything ever um just you know ask one of your coworkers or search it up and figure it out because at the end of the day yeah it's patients who are there that need your help and you don't want to hurt them like for example the emergency department i worked at we had like a pretty large scope so we could like order blood tests we could order certain x-rays um give certain meds but like you don't want to order a blood test for someone who like doesn't need it because then you're poking them with a needle or you don't want to give someone an x-ray who doesn't need it because then you're giving them excess like radiation stuff like that so it's just something you got to keep in the back of your mind um and then obviously medication like you know you don't want to give something that they don't need so i'll definitely think of you guys when i eat a banana (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you feel chest pain (laughs) Um, give us a call but for real, like all this information I'm hearing, this sounds like such a hectic uh, work environment, but of course you guys get that reward out of the end um, with uh, great support and uh, therapeutic relationship. I now know <laughs> what that word is. <laughs> this is the second time we're talking about it. Um, but in regards to that, are there any like maybe um, self-care aspects or what do you implement, whether it's a daily or a weekly or monthly thing that could really uh, take care of your wellness when it comes to this stressful uh, placement? For myself, um, I just like going to the gym. I find like that helps kind of de-stress, decompress. Everyone's different. Um, it's tough though, because like for example, when I was working in the summer, it was a twelve-hour shift. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you know, I had to get up at like six thirty, be at the hospital by seven, and then work twelve hours. By the time you're done and everything, it's like eight o'clock, and you're exhausted. So it's tough, but I think something that's important to remember is you got to take care of yourself, right? Like you spend all this time taking care of others, spending another hour or two on what you need is important. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. Everyone's got their own thing, like music or socializing. Obviously we couldn't do that for a while, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think same for me. Like I had 12 hour shifts too this summer and like sometimes they became 16 hour shifts. Um, so it's tough. You need to take care of yourself. And, you know, I think one of my clinical instructors, when I was in like the oncology palliative care, um, unit, like really, like, because we were dealing with really intense situations, um, they would 
like my clinical instructor taught us the importance of like taking a step back talking to someone that you need to like tell them like listen I'm not feeling so good or this is this happened and like I don't know I'm just not feeling great I'm sad or this was a hard situation so having like a good support group like Daniel said is like good and like being able to socialize again and talk about what we're going through is really helpful and for me too like going for a run in the morning and putting my earphones on and just having like me time where I don't have to talk or think and just getting that exercise in really helps me so yeah that's something that really works for me too Mm -hmm. there's definitely a power in words and i sense that you guys could also agree with it since it's it could actually be dangerous to bubble all that in especially that you guys see so many issues and difficult experiences almost on a daily basis not only with other people but with the effects that those stories can do on yourself and your mental health so thank you so much for sharing um so continuing on the topic of self-care and you guys taking care of yourselves, can you guys identify uh, any important factors that uh, go in regards to having a healthy body slash mind? Like, what is the importance of having that? I think it's one of those things that people always talk about, but you don't realize it until you kind of experience it. Um, and obviously, like, we're both pretty young and... I mean, I think we are relatively healthy, <laughs> but um, when you work in a in healthcare, you you know you see mostly sickness. Like no one goes to the hospital for fun, right? Um, except for in like maternity. Yeah. But that's the only positive floor. <laughs> yeah, but everyone else is there because they have something wrong, and I feel like when you're exposed to that, it kind of, you know, some some people sometimes they have these things happen to them, and they couldn't have prevented it. You know that that's definitely a reality, but sometimes people are you know, like they're diabetics and they're having, they're taking a bunch of like sugar every day or something like that. So it kind of just shows you like what could happen uh, or like gives you like a real life manifestation of what could happen if you don't take care of yourself. And I think, uh, sorry. And I think that um, it just kind of puts the onus on you to take care of yourself because you'll see what potentially could happen um, if you don't. Um, Sorry, I don't know if that answers your question. but It did. It did. do you have anything to add I think like for me um like I was saying before like unfortunately I had to deal with like some mental illness factors when I was younger um in Egypt actually I fell sick with an eating disorder and for me it was either I had to make the decision to either take care of myself and my mental health or continue on in school And for me, that was really difficult because I had big dreams. I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to become a veterinarian and I didn't want to take time off. I felt like I was a failure. So, um, but at the same time, I couldn't continue because I was sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was hard for me to like grasp. And because it wasn't like, I didn't understand that concept of like, if I'm not physically sick versus like the mentally sick, Um, and like the stigma behind it, I felt like I was a failure. And so it was really hard for me to accept that. And I did have to take time off school, um, to do a lot of therapy and get better. And I had a really great support system and I was able to get better and get back on my feet, go back to school, finish. And now I'm in nursing in my last year. And so it was tough for me, but I did it and I was really proud. So I think you need to in the moment it's easier said than done but when you don't take care of yourself 
you're not gonna get to where you want to unfortunately because you can't as strong as you want to be you have to take care of yourself and all of your goals you can still get them but sometimes there's like little it's true where there's like bridges that you got to cross right so sometimes there's like a little deviation in your path and that's okay but you have to take that little path you can't like just jump because you might fall <laughs> so yeah, yeah. just little steps right little steps little steps and you you're gonna go through it but take care of yourself because mm -hmm. you need to and you need to recognize that you're not doing well and it's okay you have to accept it recognize it speak about it is the most important thing to do and get the help that you need and you will get there mm -hmm. <laughs> that was so beautiful thank you <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but no you're definitely right there is a huge stigma against uh, invisible illnesses um and i thank you so much for sharing that that was no really well said um but kind of going off of that can you guys even see how much you've changed between your first year and this year and what would you tell the newcomers or even what would you tell yourself when you were going in the program any advice or thoughts um i don't know i think for me i was really nervous i was really nervous about the new stressors of like going to university and stuff because of everything that happened in seizure so i was nervous um but honestly i i guess I really learned how to manage my stress, my stresses, how to manage um, also my expectations. You know, you really want to do well when you're in school and you want to succeed. And sometimes you think it's, oh, it's the perfect grade or I don't know. For me, it was a lot of that, like <laughs> accomplishing like the perfect grades um, in school. And then you realize that like school is hard and there's other things that are important as well like your mental health having a social life and taking care of yourself so school is super important but so are you so finding that balance and making it work um, is hard sometimes but you will find it and sometimes it doesn't come right away like right at the beginning of school like you have to find your way of studying find a routine that works for you find things that make you happy find the work like and play balance that's works to your advantage because if you're giving too much into school unfortunately you're not sometimes like you're just not going to be happy and then everything will like tumble it's like a unfortunately like a really bad effect <laughs> um so finding that balance for me was really good and i can tell you it takes time at the beginning of school because you're learning it's university is different you have big classes and big auditoriums sometimes you have classes online like we had to adapt but once you adapt and you find your way you'll be fine so just be patient with yourself i think it was my biggest thing mm -hmm. that's so nice <laughs> be patient with yourself but you said it so nicely with uh, even balancing yourself in school I really have to give you guys credit. You guys went into nursing during a pandemic. That well, we didn't crazy. know. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see it coming. But. Yeah, but you still, you lived through that and now you're here and you get to wake up every day and you still get to go to work. So I really want to emphasize that that's a huge strength that I know could have been very hard for you at the time and even to now, but you guys made it. So essentially what would you have liked to have known before going right, into the program right. or what would you have told like your past self okay um i guess from my perspective jumping from high school to university is a huge step because you know you have seja before which is kind of like a middle step in between 
Um, for me, I went to a very small high school. Um, my grad class was about 80 people. The whole high school was like 400, 450, let's say. Um, my first class at McGill had 700 people in it, oh just the gosh. class. <laughs> so it's a big jump. Um, I remember the first day, one of the profs said something along the lines of, in high school, you have like 500 hours to do a course. In SAGEP, you have 250 hours to do the same course. In university, you have 30 hours to do it. Um, and I think that's something that really stuck with me because you have to realize it's, it's not necessarily that the course is more difficult, but you have so much less time to do it. Um, and there's a lot more emphasis on teaching yourself. Like you have a lecture for an hour, like it's standard, I would say it's three hours a week, mm -hmm. right, of lecture. Um, but you got to teach yourself when you're not in a lecture. It's not just like three hours, go home, and then we're done, write the exam. That's, there's way more than that. So um, you got to learn how to study and find what works best for you. Um, and I found in my first few years, I would like, I would try to do everything that was assigned and I just ran out of time. So I think it's important to, you know, work smarter, not harder, find what works for you and go with that. But like she was saying, like balance is super important. Um, it keeps you from burning out mm -hmm. and you know, if you're spending 60 hours a week studying because you want to become a doctor, you want to become a lawyer, you want to do this, you want to do that, like, okay, good for you, but you're likely going to burn out at some point because you can't just devote all your time to doing that. You know, sometimes when you go do things with friends or you go read a book or do whatever works for you, that like recharges your battery. Um, and that's really important. And I feel like when you first start university, um, it's it's really tough because you go from being the top of your class in wherever you're at to being filled with everyone who's at the same level right so it's it's a lot and you gotta you gotta figure out what works best for you and yeah like she, she explained it better than i am to be honest no. with you but <laughs> just yeah find a balance and you'll figure it out yeah i don't know what works for you <laughs> you do you boo yeah <laughs> Um, so now going off from that, what would you say has been like the most memorable moment for you guys that would like in your head would be like, okay, this is why I'm in this field. This is why I want to be a nurse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I can think of something. Do you want more time? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> For me, honestly, like I said, I keep going back to like this palliative care rotation that I had. But for me, it really sh like emphasized and like solidified what I want to do as a nurse. Um, and so I was working with a family and the mom was unfortunately at the end of her life, but it was one of their holidays. And so I saw the mom and her daughter dancing in the room and the daughter was holding her mom on her feet. And so she was dancing for her on her feet and they, she was singing her the song. And so I, she was one of my patients. And then I was asking her what song she was singing. And so we played the music on her for the phone and we all got around, like all the, I got all the nurses around and we ran around her and like we were clapping and singing with her. And the daughter at the end of my shift before I left came, I think we were all crying, honestly, because it was just, like the most beautiful thing to watch was the mom and the daughter together in that moment. And at the end of the shift, my shift, my, the daughter had came up to me and hugged me and she said, thank you. 
And for me, it wasn't like that, like that she said, thank you. It was just the fact that I was able to give them that moment. Um, and so to, to be there for them and to be a positive influence in someone's life, I think is the biggest reward. And so that for me was like, if I can do this for the rest of my life, sign me up. <laughs> so that was huge for me. That's yeah. I don't have a story that could beat that. <laughs> I would say... You could still tell a story. It's not a competition, please. What I would say is, yeah, as you said, um, having a positive impact on someone's life is really rewarding. Um, just like a simple thank you at the end of the day, is it goes a really long way. Um, because, yeah, it's a lot. Like You're going to see a lot of things that it's not always happy. It's, there's a lot of sad moments, but I think the fact that you're there for them... Um, Sometimes when they don't have any others, um, it's it's a really sad reality. A lot of elderly people that I've mm -hmm. seen, like in the emergency, they, they come in and there's, you know, no children or no siblings. They're all alone. Um, and if you think about it, it's like you are the only person there in their lives right now at this moment. Um, that's really pivotal for them. So I feel like just knowing that is really touching and... Um, you know, if they show gratitude for whatever you're doing, even though it's your job at the end of the day, um, it's nice. It's rewarding. So, yeah, I think that's the best feeling is it's, when they say thank yeah. you. I, I every time I I'm super emotional. So every time like something like they'll just say a simple thank you and I just want to start crying because I just feel so blessed to be able to have made that impact um, on their lives and in a positive way. Even I remember in like postpartum, which is right after the baby was born. I was teaching the mom how to swaddle the baby in the blanket, which I love because they look like little burritos. <laughs> I just find it the cutest thing. You just want to snuggle with them. And the mom was so proud and so happy of, like, her kid. And, like, she just, I I remember, like, we put, like, the little bow on their head, like, with the, like, the little hat. We had made, like, a little bow with it for, like, when nursing. Um, my nurse preceptor had done it. And she was so grateful and she thought her daughter looked so beautiful and she looked into her eyes and she's like, thank you so much. And it was just like that little thing and it made such a difference to her. And like you can see them like glowing. Sometimes it's not even the thank you, but you can see the difference you made for them. Mm -hmm. Or they'll be like, when are you coming back? Or when's your next shift? Mm -hmm. You know, and and like it just makes you feel good. So it's a super rewarding in that sense. But yeah, when they ask when you're coming back as your next, like when's your next shift? I feel like it's the proudest moment <laughs> it always makes me feel so good you know <laughs> they actually want to see you again. yeah so you're like okay this is not like an easy like situation for them so the fact that they'll be like hey like when are you coming back or like are you going to be here tonight or like or when do you finish like so they want you to be back means that like it's just that like what's the word i'm looking for like there it's like that confirmation that like you're doing a good job mm -hmm. and so it's like it's nice to know and so I feel like in nursing, you get a lot of that. And so it's, it's really rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's validating that the work That's that you the do. Word. There you go. That I is the word. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's validation that the work that you do, it's, it's done right. And yeah. that it's being appreciated and it's not going unnoticed. That's so nice. Um, now, is there something that you have learned from the field that you actually had to change within yourself to be in it? Mm could be like really simple like time management like it could I be think, anything well time management is really important um if you're the type of person who likes to leave things till later if you're in not just nursing just healthcare in general you're going to change because you'll realize things can go wrong you know you have this whole plan set up for the day and then Never one works. little thing will go wrong 
it's all crumbled never works <laughs> never works so you got to be very adaptable yeah so time management like if there's something you need to do try to get it do done not doing <laughs> try to get it done as soon as possible um that's really important um and i think patience is important too mm-hmm. because when you're dealing with patients everyone's at a different level right like some people are professors some people are you know people who may not necessarily know everything um that you're talking about so you, it's it's a fine balance of kind of for lack of a better word dumbing it down so you're at their level or but you don't want to like offend them by you know speaking like that too so it's really it's a really uh, it's a tough balance you got to be very patient to understand like what does the patient know what are they what do they want to understand Um, because some people want to know everything they want to understand like the science behind it but others like don't care Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, i think it's the same like that adaptability that you have to really adapt to every single Mm -hmm. situation and it can be like it's not just like one way it's like in a million different ways so it's like you're almost transforming all the time um and for me another big thing that i learned was like delegating tasks so like you really want to do everything but unfortunately like daniel said like there's always something that comes on up or comes yeah like just comes up and so like you have a plan of your day and it does not go like that you think you were taking a break at 10 you are not going on that break (laughs) at 10 o'clock let me tell you so in order to go on that break at 10 o'clock you have to delegate tasks you have to work in a team you have to learn that okay i cannot always do everything and you have to prioritize like prioritize what's important what's the most important who do i go to first and how can i work around this so you're adapting not only to like the people around you but like your plans and Mm -hmm. everything always adapting that's a big thing in nursing (laughs) yeah adaptability for sure (laughs) so adaptability being proactive and just breathing just just take a breath it's like the three the top three things i'm hearing um so to kind of lighten the mood i'm just gonna ask a bunch of random questions and the first one being what is your favorite fact could be a fun fact just in general yeah i mean preferably with nursing but (laughs) you can do whatever Uh, honestly (laughs) list them list them i saw a fact that nurses walk five miles a day just in their eight hour shifts how many steps is there? <laughs> way too many i don't know but i have my my watch on and so like for 12 hour shifts sometimes i can do like seventeen thousand steps yeah i would like, <laughs> like my first 12 hour shift i was wearing like compression socks which are supposed to like help with you know like foot cramps and whatnot um anyway my feet were like totaled at Finish. the end of my shift and like i've done like hikes that are like you know I don't know, 15 hours long up a mountain and they my feet weren't like in as much pain <laughs> as yeah. after like a shift in the hospital. So anyway, to reiterate what she said, you're going to walk a lot. So uh, <laughs> so fun fact is, yeah, you're going to walk a lot, invest in some good shoes. Um, and compression yeah, I was going to ask, what shoes do you guys wear? <laughs> I, just, I just wear like these <laughs> Nike runners, but whatever's comfortable for you, honestly. Like some people wear Crocs, some mm-hmm. people wear Birkenstocks. It's really, uh, I was kind of shocked. I was like, imagine, you know, the person walks in the room, they're wearing like Crocs. It's going to look a little funny, but. Yeah, but they're really comfortable. My sister just got them for me for my birthday. And at first I laughed and then I love them. So (laughs) comfy shoes are really important and they'll wear out really fast, which I didn't know either. 
but they're going to wear out really fast. So I heard from someone actually to change your shoes every, like have three pairs of shoes and rotate them. So this way the sole doesn't wear out and it'll be better for your feet too. So that's another fun fact, I guess. But um, well, then you have three pairs of shoes that wear out. Yeah, and then you got to throw them <laughs> off. <laughs> but like, they last longer than one pair. Yeah, but yeah, my feet are always finished and swollen. So compression socks are also a must. <laughs> yeah. Just don't get the ones that I got. They're not no. <laughs> Any other fun facts? Uh, hmm. Could be what you learned in class. I learned today that dogs don't actually see the world in gray and white. I always thought they were colorblind to gray and white. Instead, they're colorblind. Um, they well, can see like blue we and think, then, like some We think colors. this is true. We had an exam today um, and one of the questions was about <laughs> dogs color vision. Um, this is a course about human anatomy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, we're, we're uh, by process of elimination, we think that dogs can uh, actually, can actually see, see some colors i think it was like in the blue spectrum they yeah. can see blues and yellows i think it was something like that I don't but know. anyways that was a fun fact i learned today and i went up to my dog and i'm like i thought you you only saw black and white <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny i mean yeah. not a lot of people know that there's different kinds of color blindness too it's not as soon as you hear someone saying that they're colorblind it's not just black and white yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot of people it's actually green and red mm -hmm. that yeah. they can't distinguish between the two like my dad is like that mm -hmm. and so i went up to my dad today after my exam and you know, I was studying it, so you would have thought I knew this beforehand. But I just, I guess I didn't think of dogs. But I went up to my dad. I'm like, do you know what you have in common with my dog? <laughs> I'm like, you guys are both the same colorblind. You see the world the same. And he's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> Call so, me a dog. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So that was a funny thing that I, that I learned today. That's tough. Yeah, he looked at me and he's like, are you serious right now? He's like, just get yeah. out of my room. I don't have to go back to, to work. <laughs> Honestly, my dog is my favorite person, my favorite thing in the house, okay? Aww. So he knows it was a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, what other fun facts? I feel so bad. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of things. I'm just blanking. Like, what else is... Uh... I don't want to limit you at this point. Just, Just go off. Just cool. <laughs> fun, fun fact, fact the sky life. is blue really? <laughs> um, I don't know what else do you have I don't know I'm not really good at fun facts those were like I guess my biggest one was when I saw that that we walked so much I freaked out <laughs> I think another thing that's interesting is like this is also from the course that her and I are taking there's a uh, certain like Let's say like facial expressions are just innate. Like you don't learn them per se, but you just, it's like part of the way your nervous system is hardwired. It's true. So. Yeah. True. yeah. And like the people, we learned also that like some people cannot recognize a face. Mm, this is so they'll see, do you want to explain it? Cause I've been talking so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> sure. Sure. So there's a phenomenon called blind sight. Yes. That's what you're talking no, about. I don't think it's blind sight. It's blind sight. That's the most recent one. Okay, go for it. There's a phenomenon called blind sight, and pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, the part of their brain that's responsible for conscious vision has like some sort of lesion or it's been infected, so it doesn't work anymore. But there's an alternate pathway that allows them to that like 
so like the visual information will be transmitted through that pathway, but it's not a conscious pathway. So you won't know or like see it the way that you traditionally do, but your body will somehow know um, that certain objects are there. So for example, if you were, if you have blind sight and there's this, like let's say we set up a hallway with a bunch of obstacles, even though the patient will say they don't see anything in the hallway, if you ask them to walk through it, they'll avoid all the obstacles because their brain through various mechanisms. Just, yeah, like they can re receive the information of light. Without knowing it, Yeah, pretty much. So they cannot see anything, but they will navigate through the room. They cannot consciously see anything. Yeah. But their brain, like subconscious, knows that there's something there and will avoid it, which is pretty crazy. There's a YouTube video that he showed us. And yeah. so like if you search, I don't I don't remember what it's called, but if you look up like blind sight in mm -hmm. YouTube, you can watch it and it's really, really fascinating to see. It's a rare, very rare like condition. It's yeah. not something that happens to everyone who's blind. But anyway, yeah. that's another fun fact. No, this is like, <laughs> yeah. I'm eating this up. Um. <laughs> no, but the one I was talking about is the one that like the people are like they they cannot recognize faces so they'll see oh. like eyes and a nose yeah, yeah, and yeah. an ear and realize that it's a face but like they won't see your face well there's a region oh. in our brain that's yeah. like receptive to faces so like the whole well maybe not the whole like point of the area but a large portion of the area is dedicated to like seeing faces and like recognizing them so if you get if that area is affected, then you won't necessarily be able to recognize faces. Like, you'd be like, oh, that's like a nose or like, oh, that's like a that's ear. But you can't like piece <laughs> it together. Yeah. So it's also a thing that people have, which I, I freaked out when I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Right? Because they can see, they just can't recognize that it's a face. That's so interesting. I mm. love this stuff. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I'm actually a private caretaker for a woman that's blind and legally deaf. And Whoa. I definitely see what you mean where like, she's like she's been blind all of her life but she still knows how to smile and she could still like dance around so mm -hmm. i'm like that makes so sense like i'm piecing it together unlike a face but <laughs> yeah but the brain oh, so brain cool. is the anatomy of the brain is just insane mm -hmm. i think it's the most interesting organ ever it's magic yeah it's magic. It, it really is and there's so much that we don't know about it, which is cool because like we learn about that in our class that we're, we're like still trying to figure things out. So we still have no idea about a bunch of things. Yeah, so. I saw like a stat somewhere. It says like 50 more years until they get like a very basic understanding of the brain and all these structures. Basic. At least. <laughs> basic. Yeah. Keyword. Not even detailed. But even the stuff they know now, it's kind of it's kind of crazy how they figured it out. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me when I'm taking that like listening to things or even like physiology and stuff or mm -hmm. pathophysiology and you're like how did someone figure this out like I, it, it's fascinating really yeah so based on what you guys have seen when working with youth what have been like some really common questions that they would ask you i think i'm the only one who's really worked with you yeah right? so, um <laughs> In the emergency department, for example, a lot of people come with like anaphylactic shock. So for those that don't know, it's just an allergic reaction. It's like, you know, you're allergic to peanuts, you ate a peanut accidentally, and now you're not feeling so well. Um, common question that we get from that is like how you can prevent it for those that don't know. Or not prevent it, but what is the treatment? For those who don't know, it's just like an EpiPen. Um, it's this drug that pretty much reverses the effects of the uh the antigen but what's really important is after you get exposed to it and you use the epipen you still got to go to the hospital because 
like even though you feel better it only lasts for like 30 minutes or so so um if you took enough of like let's say the peanut um it could still have an effect that lasts beyond the 30 minutes so once the epipen wears off you'll start puffing up again and not feeling great and now you've used your epipen <laughs> so it's important to uh, go to the hospital um, another common question from like when i worked in the child psychiatry um hmm. i have to think about that one so you go i ahead. have a fun fact actually about an epipen which i learned during my C during my CPR course which I did like a month ago did you know that there's actually two doses in the EpiPen so um someone had said this and they were watching a video about like if you were lost and then like if you were on a hike in nature and you for some reason had an allergic reaction to something and you had your EpiPen but you needed a second dose there if you actually break open the epipen there is a second dose so you cannot just deliver it to yourself because it'll only deliver one dose but if you were to open it there's actually a second dose of epinephrine in there really? so fun fact <laughs> i never knew that <laughs> me neither i learned it and then i looked it up because i was really curious and it's true <laughs> so and you have to be strong to break the epipen but it's true <laughs> yeah to to break that plastic <laughs> it must be yeah. hard Anyways, that's all the time we have for today. I would like to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to you guys. That was a great conversation, and I definitely learned a lot. I'm super excited to see you again. Do you have anything else to tell the listeners before we go? We're just really lucky and thankful to be here, too. And if you guys ever have any questions, we're here. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to Episode 3, Season 2, and we'll see you in the next one. Good night. Big or small, we gon' think it all Whatever got you down, we gon' make it fall Many told you where to